Happy Reformation Month, y'all. This is uh, October, and uh, we call it uh, Reformation Month. It's the month that we look forward to that we celebrate also in, uh, in memoriam, if you will. And uh, at the end of the month is, uh, is really an important day. And it's not because of Halloween. It's not because of all those things. As cute as those kids can be, it's not because of that. It is simply because of the Reformation. That which God did within one man to begin a movement that gave us what we have today, which is the Christian church as we know it. And uh, thank God for that, because he was the one that uh, God used, Martin Luther, to uh, bring us the word so that uh, we could have it, so that uh, dummies like me can learn and uh, be taught by God through his word. So that's, uh, that's an amazing thing. It is the Reformation Month. It's, uh, um, it's also a time of Halloween. And at the end of the, you know, I've already started seeing, um, I, although I, I must admit, so far I've, I've noticed, um, at least maybe it's because I'm here in Springville now, but I, but I haven't noticed as many um, graveyards and death and demons and devils and all that stuff represented in the houses in front of the houses yet, um, as we come to Halloween. But because it is Halloween and people celebrate it, and they associate it with darkness, they associate it with evil. And because of that, um, how are we as Christians to approach that time? Well, um, we've asked our, our dear friend and brother in Christ, um, apologist, Christian apologist, Matt Slick, he will be preaching, not just speaking, but preaching, and he will give some of his experience as he dabbled uh, as a young man in, uh, in the occult. Um, we've spoken about that from here and on this, in this pulpit from Isaiah. If you remember all the witchcraft that was mentioned a few weeks ago. And that is part of the occult. And whether you understand it or not, it is a real thing. It's a thing that is being practiced right now. It's a thing that many people who grew up in certain religions, unbeknownst to them, have their lineage, their, particularly on their mother's side, practice the practices of witchcraft. And it is, it is an occultic thing. It is something that God condemns soundly, uh, without a doubt. And there's no way that anybody could, could honestly look at the Bible and say that somehow God uh, uh, approaches these things as though they're something that just you know, put aside and don't worry about it. No, he, he condemns them. Um, and so as, as, uh, as we be continuing our service, um, we've asked uh, Matt to come up and preach on that. And so with, uh, with that being said, um, I turn this time over now to uh, our great friend and brother in Christ, uh, Matt Slick. Give him a welcome, hearty welcome. All right, can you hear me? How about, can you work thing? Yeah. yeah, learn to read my lips, all right. So my voice is a little bit deeper than normal because out at Temple Square yesterday, um, witnessing to the Mormons. So, uh, and if you don't mind, excuse me for clearing my throat occasionally as well. All right, so if you do me a favor here, by God's grace, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 6? And so when Rudy asked me to speak on this, uh, having had a lot of experience with this, uh, 
Uh, I'm going to preach on the Word of God and through the Word of God and what God wants for us uh, through His Word and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to do here after I pray is to read the pericope. A pericope is a section of Scripture. It can be this long or that long. It just doesn't matter. It's called a pericope. It's like periscope without the S in it, but pericope. All right. Now, if you have any trouble hearing me, just do this and I'll speak up. All right. And if uh, you disagree with me, that's your problem. Okay. <clears throat> so what we're going to do now is pray and we're going to get going. All right. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would bless this time and that you would open our hearts and your minds to the word, your word, Lord. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit and that the words that go forth that are from you would sink down deep into our souls and the words that are from me would fall upon the floor. We ask Jesus for your mercy and your grace upon us and to bring saving work uh, in our hearts and our minds. We ask Jesus all of this in your precious name. Amen. All right, it's a well-known pericope, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. I'm reading out of the NESB, the one that Paul used. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. <clears throat> For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So in this section of Scripture, we see a few things, and I'm going to break it up into four main points and elaborate and just as uh, Rudy asked, and when we talked over the phone about this, he wants me to talk about some of the experiences I've actually done, and I'll tell you stories, okay, real stories. We'll take a few minutes out to do that. Uh, so what we want to do is understand the main points. God wants us to be strong in Him, put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the devil. Our struggles against spiritual forces, we need to be able to resist in the day of evil and stand firm. So verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now, why would that be the case? It's because the demonic forces are very real. Spiritual forces are very strong, and they're exceedingly deceptive. They're very deceptive. They're highly intelligent. They're very capable. So, <clears throat> the angels are too many to count. They can know languages. They can, like one angel killed 185,000 Syrians, Syrians in one night. There are countless stories all over the world of angels appearing. The Bible says we entertain angels unaware. They can manifest. The good angels serve God. The bad angels, the ones that have fallen, are the ones who serve the enemy. And they use deception. They use lies in order to bring people unto bondage into the lies of many theological systems. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So they can appear in human forms. They can, uh, they're described as flying, having wings. Now, I don't, I don't know if any of you have read my novel, um, The Influence, but in there I describe the issue of the good and the bad angels fighting and flying and prayer and everything that goes on. And I took it out of biblical things and took a little bit of liberty, just, you know, as you do often in fiction. You read it, right? You liked it. And it was a lot of fun. 
But at any rate, fallen angels are very powerful and very deceptive. And I'm going to say this several times, and you've got to understand this. This is so important for you to understand the deceptive ability of the angelic realm. There is only one way to know the truth, and the truth is found in the Word of God. But what the, what the enemy wants to do is say that the Word of God is not true, the Word of God cannot be trusted. Now, in Mormonism, in the eighth article of the LDS Church, it says that the Bible is correct insofar as correctly translated. In Islam, they say that the Bible has been corrupted. And I've talked to so many groups and so many different cults that say, well, you know what? The, the Bible's been corrupted. The Word of God's not true. Or we have a new prophet. We have a new prophetess. We have a new revelation. Our organization, our church, we're going to tell you what the Word of God really means. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know who I am, what I do. It's going to sound arrogant, but I've been studying this stuff since 1980. And I study this stuff all the time. I've talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of people in cults and false religious systems. I've been doing this for so long, and I just love being able to do it. God, you know, he did something wrong in my brain, I don't know. And so I really like this kind of stuff, all right? And I do. One of my favorite things to do is to listen to heresy. I love it. And on the radio show, how many hear me on the radio here? All right. So on, on Friday sometimes I'll do hate mail. You know, I love hate mail. I love hate mail. I know, I know. But to me, it's a lot of fun, you know, because I get to use it to teach people what the truth really is. Because in the hate mail, they are usually the ones who are describing what they think is true and what ought to be. But they do not know the Word of God. God is certainly capable of keeping His Word secure. And you know, I teach on this, I, I can teach classes on the defensibility of the Word of God, this reliability, but not for here, not for now. Okay, now let's go to verse 11. So put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now the full armor is listed in verses 14 through 17 and consists of truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, and salvation. And notice there's five things. Now I like all kinds of stuff in Scripture, and five is the number of grace. And that's another topic as well. Graceful things of God that he gives. Truth. Now, what's interesting is that lately, as I discuss the issues in apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith, I do a great deal of discussions online. And I talk to Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, but mostly Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholics and atheists. And then after that, Muslims. And truth is something they don't know. Now, I'm going to tell you what truth is. I want you to understand something about truth, the nature of truth. Truth is that which corresponds to the mind of God. There's a, in philosophy, there's what's called the correspondence theory of truth. So I'm holding my openable, really nice phone. Don't covet it. But I can, I'm holding it in my hand. It's a true statement. This is a pulpit truth statement. I'm an elephant. False. So some people think that truth is a statement that corresponds to actuality. But that's not true because our senses, we don't know if our senses are accurately representing truth or actuality or if our minds are properly understanding what it is we see. The correspondence theory of truth is what the unbelievers would use. What we have to understand as Christians, and I'm going to give something a little bit technical. All truth and all actuality exist because they exist in a causal chain of contexts which are brought about by previous contexts, which goes back to the ultimate being, the ultimate of which nothing greater or equal exists. All truth, this pulpit, for example, proves that God exists. The Christian Trinitarian God, not the God of Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Islam, none of those, but the Trinitarian God. 
Because only, this, this thing exists because someone made it. Well, who made that person? Well, who made that person? And, that, and the mom and dad, it goes back. Well, they came to the Garden of Eden. Where'd that come from? God, where'd, the, where'd that come from? God is the ultimate source of all things. And I can get into this about and explain how the nature of truth is what it is and how all truth, whether actual or potential, leads back to the ultimate nature of who God is. Truth is that which corresponds to the mind of God, and God knows all truth because He is the one who knows all things, 1 John 3.20. And whatever He tells us is automatically eternally true. He cannot lie since He knows all things, He has omniscience, and He has all wisdom. That's called omnisapience. What the cults and false religions like to do is demote God and say that truth is dependent upon us to some degree. They want to say, look, we can determine truth in our own understanding. My feelings, for example. Humanistic philosophy, which is alive and well in the Protestant church. We'll get into that a little bit later. So we have to understand that truth is what rests in God's, God's mind, and He reveals it in His Word. You have to study the Word of God. You've got to study that Bible. You've got to study the Scriptures. You have to study it. And most cults and false religious systems will undermine the Word of God, and if they do hold it up high, they will submit it to their church's authority to tell you what it means. In Roman Catholicism, for example, and I do a great deal of witnessing to the Catholics, they say that we gave you the Bible. We have the apostolic succession. We're the ones who have the true apostles from then, now, in Peter, and we can tell you what the Bible really means. They submit the Bible to their understanding, and then they, they uh, violate Scripture. For example, in paragraph 2068 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that you obtain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. That's damnable heresy. In the Quran, in, par- in the Surah 23, 101 to 103, it says that if your good works outweigh your bad works on the day of judgment, inshallah, if Allah wills, you'll be saved. In Jehovah's Witness Theology on, let's see, Watchtower, 1983, February 15th, page 12, it says that in order to have the forgiveness of sins, you have to do good works and keep the commandments. Now, the Bible says in Romans 4, 5, it says that the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Now, why is that? Because faith is the instrument. It's the means by which the righteousness of God is imputed to you. To, to impute means by a legal act of, of representation. You, if, I, if I write a check for five bucks to you, I'm imputing to you your account, a legal thing. Sin is breaking the law of God, 1 John 3, 4. Sin's a legal debt. When you break the law, you've broken the law before God. And so Jesus is the one who bore our sin in his body on the cross, 1 Peter 2, 24. He said on the cross to telestai in Greek, it is finished, John 19, 30. And that means that the legal debt, the legal payment, was made by Jesus and, oh, you know, Colossians 2.14, it says, He canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees, which was hostile to us. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The certificate of debt was canceled not when you believe, not when you get baptized, but when Jesus was crucified on the cross. You are justified when you believe. And he grants that you believe, because in Philippians 1.29, he says, God grants that you believe. And in the Greek, it's the aorist passive indicative. I get to use those words because I paid for them in seminary. I had to learn a lot. And so aorist passive indicative. Aorist means past tense. Passive means the action that comes upon you. So God is the one who's granting to you that you believe. And Jesus says in John 6.29, he says, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. 
on Jesus Christ. So what does the Mormons do? Believe in Joseph Smith. What do the Jehovah's Witnesses do? Believe in Charles Taze Russell and the prophet organization. What do the Muslims do? Believe in Muhammad. What do the Christian scientists do? <clears throat> they believe in Mary Baker Eddy. What's the SDA do? Seventh-day Adventist. They believe in Ellen G. White. They believe in someone else who comes along and tells them what the truth is, but that's not what the truth is. What is the ultimate source of all of these lies that come forth? The ultimate source is from Satan himself, the father of lies. In John 8, Jesus talks about him, the father of lies. He speaks the lies. He comes forth with lies. The only way to know what the truth is is to memorize the Word of God, to be entrenched in the Word of God. Do not believe anybody who says it's been corrupted. It is not. Don't believe anybody else who says our prophet, our priest, our king, our queen, our whatever will tell you what it means. They're full of lies. And certainly, don't believe some guy whose last name is Slick. Amen. You don't do that, all right? Amen, amen, amen. For those who don't know, it's my real name, Matt Slick. I don't know to run as a kid because of that name. So what he tells us is to have that truth. The, the, the five things mentioned there, truth, I love I love. I like philosophy. Sorry, I do. I like, I like philosophy. But philosophy is only as good as what it does when it corresponds to the truth of God's Word. As I already said, truth is what corresponds to the mind of God. Righteousness is what comes from God. And a lot of people don't know this, but righteousness is through Christ's work who fulfilled the law perfectly. Uh, Matthew 5, 17, he never sinned. 1 Peter 2, 22. And we have a righteousness that's not our own, a righteousness that's obtained by faith. That's Philippians 3, 9. And we are imputed with the righteousness of God when we believe. And God grants that we believe. He only grants it to the ones he's chosen to do that to. And the rest go about walking in darkness, believing the lies of the enemy, thinking that they have the truth. People do not know, and a lot of Protestants don't even know, the depth of God's sovereignty and his greatness in the word of God and what he does and how he bore the sin of the elect, not everybody who ever lived. Jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was not sent to the whole world. People do not know these things. Matthew 15, 24, if you want to check out this stuff. Israel broke the covenant of God. We, the Gentiles, are then grafted in, Romans 8. I love theology. I love the teaching of God's Word because the more you study it, the more it makes sense, and you start seeing everything. So I can sit here, because I've been doing this for so long, I can talk to you for hours on the nature and how these things are interrelated theologically right out of the Word of God, because God knows what He's doing, and He speaks through His prophets in the Old Testament and His apostles in the New Testament. And there are no more prophets, John 14, Luke 14, 14. Okay? The law and the prophets are told John. No more prophets, all right? Because Jesus is the final word. And we have the truth in Jesus Christ, and He's revealed in Scripture. It is the enemy of the gospel who wants our eyes off of Christ, off of His Word, and onto something else. Now, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give eternal life to them, and they follow after me. Right? So the, those who are true hear the voice of Christ, not the voice of somebody else. Like Muhammad, who got his, so to speak, visions in the darkness of a cave. Okay? That guy was a liar, a murderer. He was evil, and Islam is evil. And if you, I don't know if you've seen my debates with top-notch Muslims. They are deceived because they believe in that liar, that liar, Muhammad. I could teach on that as well. Islam is an evil religion. It teaches killing. All right, now, it says put on the gospel. I'm, I'm going to tell you this before we get into the occult stuff, which I'm going to tell you about. 
The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. That's what the gospel is, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. So last night I'm talking, this guy who's a kind of a semi-modal monarchianist, but kind of Unitarian, but not really. And so he was teaching that baptism is necessary for salvation. And when he would quote a verse, you could just go like this. Wow, did you hear that? He quoted another verse. Did you hear that? Hear what? That verse being ripped out of context. You couldn't hear that? And that's what this guy would do constantly. I'd show him stuff about God, and he would not believe. And I said, look, tell me what the gospel is. And what he did was he went to Acts 2.38. Repent and believe. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, that's the gospel. I said, no, it's not. So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because Paul says, I make known to you the gospel. And I said, the reason you don't know the gospel is because it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. He says, you're an unbeliever. You're on your way to hell. You die right now, you're going to go to the eternal flame. He did not like that. But it's true. When Mormons die, they're going to hell. When Jehovah's Witnesses die, they're going to hell. And any Roman Catholic who believes official Roman Catholic theology when they die, they're going to hell. The same with Eastern Orthodoxy, and the same with Islam. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, few there are who find the truth and find the way to Him. Few. And the reason is, is because people are so ready to believe truth based on their feelings and their own sensibilities. It's called humanism. And it's alive and well in the Protestant church. And so the Lord tells us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil in verse 11. I'm going to slow down here a little bit. I get excited about preaching the truth. <clears throat> they don't call me slick for nothing. The Lord tells us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are filled with lies. Number one thing you've got to understand, lies, not truth. Where is the truth found? In the scriptures. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, Eve is there, Satan comes in, and he says to her, did God really say? The first thing he does is doubt the word of God. The first thing. Then she says, well, that tree, we're not supposed to eat it or touch it. She added the words, or touch it. That's not what God said. She interpreted it according to what she felt and what she understood. So she altered the word of God to make it fit what she wanted. And at the next statement, Satan says, you will not die. So there is the doubting of God's word, the altering of God's word, the contradiction of God's word. That's where deception comes in. Because as soon as the evil one knew that she had modified that word, she wasn't going strictly on what God had said, but her interpretation of it, now we can get in there and now we can deceive. And death came. Incidentally, she sinned first, Adam sinned second. But sin entered the world through Adam, not through her, Romans 5.12. That's called federal headship. Another doctrine I like to teach on, if you want to research that, you can go to Romans 5.18. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and I can tell you about that later. You can come up and ask me, and I'll tell you about federal headship. All right, so we stand firm in our minds. Now, in Romans 12, 2, it talks about a spiritual service of worship. You've heard this phrase before, the spiritual service of worship. 
The word spiritual is logikos in Greek, logikos, mind. I'm going to slow down a little bit. I want you to understand something. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not your feelings. Not your feelings. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. No man can trust it, Jeremiah 17, 9. We are fallen in our nature. Do not trust your heart. Don't trust your testimony. Don't trust anything. Even my testimony, when Jesus Christ came to me when I was 17, after the Holy Spirit came upon me with such incredible power that I was reduced to a sobbing mass of tears on the floor of a church, weeping and almost puking, almost puking, literally, because of my incredible sin in the presence of incredible holiness. I was just undulating like, like tidal waves coming over my soul. And then Jesus was there. Jesus was right next to me. I couldn't see him. I couldn't touch him, but he was there. I remember his presence. I remember everything about him. And his ominous presence and his wonder. And he stepped into me and my sin left. Now that's the short version. And I, I even compare that and subject that to the word of God. Is that possible according to the word of God? Nothing in scripture says it's not possible. So I, I then say, even that I subject to the word of God. I don't care how strong a feeling you have. I don't care how strong of a testimony you think you have. I don't care if you think that you are the one in your wisdom who chose Christ. That's a lie. Nobody can do that on their own. Jesus says in John 6, 65, you cannot come to me unless it's granted to you from the Father. Amen. That's what it says. Jesus said that. It has to be given to you from the Father. Didome in the Greek. Given, granted, from him to you. And then you can come to him. Why? Because you're one of the elect from God. Oh, I love teaching about election and predestination. And that's out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And I can go to, uh, let's see, Acts 4, 27, 28, and, and uh, Romans 8, 29, and 30, and teach on this. I love it. And I'll tell you something. False religions, all false religions deny it. Because these are the truths that rest in the heart and mind of God in his greatness. And so we are the subjects of his greatness. We're the beneficiaries of his kindness and his grace. But most false systems, and it's in Protestantism too, I was wise enough to choose God on my own. That's what it is. And I say to people, do you take credit for your believing? <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, they can almost moonwalk. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I say, so let me get this straight. So uh, you're the one who, you know, the gospel's given, and you're the one who is wise enough. Yeah, that's right. You're the one who decided, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. Okay, can you do me a favor? Yeah, can you just reach around your back and do what? Pat yourself on the back. Just go, go ahead and pat your back. Because the Bible says that no good thing comes from us. Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12. It says that God grants that we have faith, Philippians 1.29. He grants us repentance, 2 Timothy 2.25. That we're predestined for the foundation of the world, elected and chosen, Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Don't take credit for your unbelieving, but you do believe. And that belief that you have is in Christ, the true Christ. Not the ones of the false cults. Not the ones that is buried in Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. Not those, but the truth of who Christ is. And I would love to teach you about uh, the truth of Christ as it relates to the hypostatic union, the communicatio idiomatum, and inseparable operations, as it relates to the perichoritic relationship of the divinely simple being who is the Trinitarian God. 
No, no I'm going to get proud. No, that's not proud. Um, <clears throat> but those are the things I love talking about because I love these, these doctrines that are revealed in Scripture. And when I teach them to people, they, they go, whoa, I didn't know that. And I say, most pastors don't know this. I'm not knocking them. Just, I do this for a living. And they don't know how great God is, how wonderful He is, how His truth in all of Scripture is so integrated. And what people want to do in so many ways is take your eyes off of His Word. Put it on something else. Put it on your own heart. And this is a door to the occult. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The term flesh and blood occurs five times in the Bible. What it means here is a hyperbole. You know, he says, not against flesh and blood. What he's saying in, ju in juxtaposition of the issue of the spiritual nature, what's going on, that's nothing compared to this. So we do have struggles in our regular world. And some of the doors of the occult are wide open. And we see false things that are from the, the demonic forces. For example, abortion. It's an evil thing. It is an evil thing, and it's murder. Now, I have a confession to make, and two things here. I was involved with that when I was younger, all right? And God forgave me. And if you have had an abortion, I won't point fingers at you. I'm not going to condemn. But I will point to Christ and say, He can forgive. He's good. He's wonderful. And just find solace in Him. Find your peace and forgiveness in Him, no matter what you've done. No matter what you have done. You can find in Him complete and total forgiveness. Because Jesus is God in flesh, second person of the Trinity, who became one of us and bore all of our sin in His body on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 He did not, He did not bear part of our sin he did not bear the sin only that you confess. He did not bear that sin that you're only aware of. But the sins you're not even aware of, the sins you've forgotten, the sins you've committed and don't even know, they're all taken by Him. And His love for you is so strong and so great. Since He is eternal, there was never a time when the Christ, or let's say the Word, did not exist. He has always been that way. So from eternity... The truth of God in the Trinitarian nature of His essence, His thoughts of you are infinite in number, and His love for you from eternity, from forever ago, is without end. The love that He has had for you from eternity cannot be measured, and you are secure in Him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. John 10, 27, 28. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus equates eternal life with never perishing. Why? Because He bore all of your sin. This is the difference between false religions and true faith in Christ. Because all the false religions will say that you can lose your place with God because you're not good enough in one way or another, or you go back and do that bad thing. And I'm not saying it's okay to believe in Christ and go out and kill and commit adultery and all that stuff. No, no, no. 1 John 2, 4, if you say you know Him and do not keep His commandments, the truth is not in you and you're a liar. But we're not saved by keeping the commandments. 
Okay, that's, you can go to Galatians 2.16, Galatians 2.21 for that. You see, the truth is that our salvation, our forgiveness of our sins is found in what Christ did, not our ability, not our sincerity, but in Him. And faith is only as good as who you put it in. You have all the faith in the world in the God of Mormonism, the God of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the God of Islam. You're still damned because faith is only as good as who you put it in. Who's your faith in? It should be in the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, creator of the universe. People don't know that. John 1, 1, excuse me, John 1, 1 through 3. He's the creator of all things. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Not just this world, not just this realm, but the universe. He is the one who brought it all into existence. And he is the one who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he is the one who walked and let them nail him to that cross. And then he is the one whose blood drains and cleanses us. But the enemy hates the truth of who Christ is and will use very clever, deceptive means to redefine him, to deny him and then even use him to justify their sin. So about a month ago, three weeks ago, up in Boise where I live, the Boise Pride Fest, and I went there, and there were people there talking about how Jesus loves them as they are, and it's okay to be LGBT. And I had to tell them, no, no, this is sin. Sexual aberration from the, I call it the alphabet mob, LGBTQ, elemental P, all that stuff, they're invading our schools, our TV, the radio, churches. And you'll notice this. Cults, what they'll do is they gradually start adopting the sins of the world and using ways to justify them. Well, you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's like this, it's like that. And it happens with the cults, okay? It does, I've seen it. That's another thing. We see in our, our present culture sexual promiscuity, pornography, nudity are rampant. Moral relativism is rampant. This is occultic stuff. This is from the demonic forces. Moral relativism, what is right and wrong, depends on the individual, what he feels, what he or she thinks. And this, you have a saying in the Old Testament, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And in that, the nation of Israel fell. We're going to fall. There's the occult and witchcraft. We're getting closer to the stories. The TV series called Lucifer sheds a favorable light on that enemy. I've watched a few episodes just so I could say I've seen it. We have TV shows such as Charmed, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Vampire Diaries, American Horror Story, Cursed. Magic and Eastern mysticism are found in movies such as Doctor Strange, Practical Magic, The Craft, Hocus Pocus, Harry Potter series. There's false religions like LDS, JWs, Islam, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Buddhism. You know, it's just, it's just all over. Apostate religions within the Christendom umbrella, Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. People don't know how bad those two are. And I could teach a series on them. It's, they're both very bad. Very bad. In fact, what I found, recently found in Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism is the teaching of becoming gods. One's called theosis, and the other one, they talk about how he, he, uh, Jesus Christ died to make us gods. 
They don't mean actually the God, but God-like. This is the enemy speaking through Roman Catholicism and its idolatry, Eastern Orthodoxy and its idolatry. And lest you think Protestants are okay, be careful. We're not doing so well as a whole. Uh, Reverend Slick is, I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> there's positive confession with the heretics of, of uh, Kenneth Copeland. Joyce Meyer, she's a false teacher. Okay, Joel Osteen, false teacher. The NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, and the humanist philosophy that's taught that you keep your salvation, you keep your salvation, your, your forgiveness of sins by your ability to be sincere, your ability to be right before God through your effort. It's called humanism. Let me tell you what humanism is. Humanism is the human being is a measure of truth and righteousness and ability. You've heard the saying, you do your best, God will do the rest. That's humanist philosophy. As if you're doing good is what God's really looking for. Okay, you're good. Okay, now based on this, God goes, now I'm going to help you out. That's favoritism and it's heresy and it denies the truth of God's word. He does not show favoritism upon you because of your ability to be good. He doesn't look at you with favor and say, oh, you're going to be a good guy. I'm going, to, I'm going to work with you. That's humanist philosophy. See how good I am? See the condition of my heart? I will tell you what the truth is. So when I talk to Mormons, they tell me about their testimony. They're basing truth on a feeling. Well, it comes from God. How do you know it comes from God? Because I prayed. Well, that's it? Do you violate the word of God in that? Because if you're praying to a false God, you'll get a false confirmation. And the Muslims, I'll talk to them, how do you know Islam is true? They can't tell me. I know how to undermine everybody's theological belief system. I mean, I've been doing this for 43 years. I'm a little, little bit obnoxious, my wife says, so I don't know if you use that to my advantage or not. But I know how to, uh, to show where they, little? Who said little? Were you mocking me? Oh, man. And, uh, so I know where the areas of weakness are in various theological systems, only because I've been doing this for so long. And I can show people, this is not, it doesn't work. Let me show you why. And I point them to the truth of God's word. He's able to keep his word secure. He's able to do this. And I've studied all this stuff. And it's called historicity. I mean, it's incredible how well-preserved the Bible is. And I can, I've had Greek. I can translate, okay? It's there. It's true. And people don't want to believe it. Why don't you want to believe it? Because they're humanists. And in Protestantism, it's running rampant as well. You keep your salvation by your goodness. You keep your salvation by the sincerity of your heart. God knows how good I am. He knows. And so therefore, God understands me. I'm trying. Really? That's your theology? If that's the case, then why did Christ come to die for you? Because he says, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died needlessly. Galatians 2.21. Galatians 3.21. If your sincerity merits anything with God, then your sincerity would be the means by which you're made right before God. I remember once I was praying. I've been praying fervently. Fervently. One of the few times very fervently. You know, the death of my son, getting married, my wife's open heart surgery, 
One day I was praying fervently, confessing my sins. I was on my knees. I could not even think of anything else to say. I've been there for a while, confessing. And, and there I am, being as humble as I can. And then I said in my prayer, and Lord, I want to thank you. I literally said this. Lord, thank you for not making me like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. If you know about Luke 18, 9 through 14, the Pharisee and the tax gatherer both go up to the temple. And the Pharisee said, look, I do this. I fast. I pay tithes. I don't do bad things. I'm not like the, I'm not like the tax gatherer. Thank you for not making me like him. And I heard myself say this. No. Yeah. But you know what? I was so sincere that I kept praying. And I'm going, I've heard that before. And I had to come back. And it was like, ding. I went, oh, my goodness. The arrogance and the pride that were in me, even at my most sincere. And it taught me a big lesson. Nothing good indwells me except my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm sitting there waiting, and his, Rudy's talking, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking, Lord, please remove from me the pride and the arrogance as I stand up here to preach, because it's with me. The foolishness, the selfishness, please get rid of it. And I said, Lord, just use me anyway. Nothing good indwells me except Jesus. Now, Verse 12, again, we are working against the spiritual forces of darkness and the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, the Bible talks about. I can give you the references, but he does this. I believe that Satan has appeared to many people and deceived them, and they think he's from God. The devil also and always attacks the truth of God's word. Did God really say? The Bible's been corrupted. That's what it is. It's an attack on the nature of what truth is. And in our world today, that's what's under assault. The truth of sexual purity, the truth of the necessity of marriage, the truth of who Christ is, all of these are attacked. The world refuses to submit itself to the, wor to the Word of God, to the person of Jesus Christ, and offers us instead sensuality, moral relativism, egotistical crap, filth, and encourages us to follow in its wake. And when we don't, it denounces us. The world hates the truth because it's in the service of the devil. But we, and we're not better than them, we're saved by grace and kept by grace because God has granted us repentance, 2 Timothy 2.25, and granted that we come to Christ. John 6, 65. Do not look at your own salvation with, with any, any part of pride. Oh, I'm, I'm here, I'm this, I'm that. Lord, by your grace and only by your grace did you save me. Only by your grace do you keep me. And I ask, Lord, that in spite of my great sin, my stupidity, my pride, would you please use me? I'm amazed how God uses me and I know what's in my heart. I know that pride. I know that selfishness. As my wife's health deteriorates, because she has some very rare problems, and I learn what it means to be a better servant, even in that, I find resentment. I am just a wicked man. Why did God save me? 
Why does he save any of us? I love this saying. I, I'm glad God predestined me from the foundation of the world because if you look at me now, he wouldn't pick me. And I love that. It's a true statement. God's mercy to us is great. He continues to love us and he continues to use us in spite of what we are. Do not look at your own salvation with any form of pride, but humble yourself before him and say, thank you, my Lord, for having mercy upon me. And please send me and shape me and use me and send me out to Temple Square, send me out to, to uh, the Kingdom Halls, send me out to the places where the mosques are, send me out to where the atheists go so I can witness and teach. Send me out that in the frailty of my own flesh and the stupidity of my own wisdom, that somehow your truth would go forth and that you would open up the hearts and the minds to believe the word of truth. Acts 16, 14 is what God does to Lydia. And Jesus opened the minds of his disciples to believe the scriptures about him. And that's in Luke 24, 44, 45. God does this. It's a spiritual thing. But we live in a world of the occult. Everywhere we go, the occult is present. Occult means hidden, and spiritually hidden. I've been to New Age conventions, and I've enjoyed, I enjoy it, I, I like heresy, okay? So me, going to a New Age convention is like going to Disneyland. Someone says, Disneyland, New Age convention. I'm going to the New Age convention. I can tell you stories about New Age philosophy and New Age stuff, and the stuff I've seen, or people put crystals on their forehead. No, no, oh, that's a good one, you know, $5. Uh, where they put a candle in their ear, you know, where uh, one man's sitting there in a chair and a woman's coming up going <laughs> to this guy, and I, what are you doing? You know, just curious. I'm blowing away his negative energy. <laughs> well, don't blow it over here. <laughs> and so all kinds of means of deception are out there. You have to know the Word of God. So let's talk about some of the doors to the occult, and then I'll tell you what I've seen, what I've done, and that God has saved me by His grace, and only by His grace. Ouija boards, did you know those are occultic little things? Did you know astrology is a door? Drugs, guess what the Greek word for sorcery is? Pharmakia. That's right, that's right. Meditation, you empty your mind. Okay, come to me. It's one of the procedures in the occult to bring spirits, I know. And so you empty your mind, you do some stuff, blah, 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 I'm not gonna tell you how. But that's one of the things. In fact, I watch TV with my wife and we see these things come up with this nature thing on TV, enjoy the Zen. It's just a, a bad thing. Yoga, now stretching's okay, but yoga, is energy transference and the connection to the occult. I used to practice yoga. Crystals, you know, have a crystal on your thing, on your shoulder. If you just have a crystal, hey, it's pretty, okay. You have a crystal there, this is in tune with the divine consciousness of my soul. That's a problem, all right? And a lot of people use these things as emblems of means and, and focuses of power. This exists in Roman Catholicism with their scapulars and their medallions. And they, these things are blessed by the priests and so they have power in them and you wear them. And there are groups around where you have certain things you wear that are supposed to be a power. This is all occultic stuff. 
Some more occult stuff is such things like praying to false gods. There's all over, all over the place. Praying to Mary. Okay? Judging truth by feelings. These are occult things. Now, I'm not expanding on them too much, but these are the basics. All right, now. So Rudy asked me to talk about some stuff, so I'm going to tell you some stories. These are all true. I'm not making them up. All right? Um, oh, I forgot to mention about UFOs before I get to the, my stories. I've been studying UFOs for uh, decades. And I'll just summarize that life cannot form by chance any place in the universe. I can prove that by mathematics. And uh, the UFO uh, abductees say the same thing, that they, the aliens teach uh, theology. They teach that Jesus Christ is not God. You are divine in your nature. Reincarnation is true. And they're interested in sexual things, which is probably due, due to the Nephilim. So I have some theories about this. If you want, we can talk about it afterwards and get into some stuff. So don't be surprised if there's a major UFO revelation and people are deceived by it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, just beware. This is a whole other topic we're talking about, and it's not talked about very often. Okay, let's get to some stories. So my mom and dad had both passed away, and my mom's IQ was way up there. And uh, so I talked to her. It's important about her IQ thing because I trusted her judgment. And uh, I, I trusted her ability to be rational, to think critically. And so she told me some stories about some stuff that happened to her before I was born. And then I'm going to tell you about that. And then I'm going to tie it in with something else. And I'm going to tell you some experiences I've had. So she said over about a two or three year period, my dad was in the service. We moved a lot to so different places. This would happen. She would have a dream of a man coming to her with a black hat, white long sleeve shirt, rolled up sleeves like this to the elbows, black slacks, black shoes. And she, he would come to her in her sleep and it would terrify her, she'd wake up and she'd watch him walk through the wall and come to the bed and stare at her at the bed. If it happens once or twice, that's bad pizza, okay? But it happened numerous times at different places that they moved to over two or three year period happened every few weeks. And so, okay, so I believe her, I believed her, that these things really happen because she's very intelligent, articulate, not on drugs. I asked her, are you on drugs, PMS, whatever it is, all the stuff I got to ask, you know. Nope, 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 not this. Were you traumatized? No, it wasn't that. It just happened. Okay. So that was me verifying. I never told my friends about this. So I'll tell you why that's important. And so the last time he showed up, she said, I was born, I'm in the crib, and he comes in, and she wakes up my dad. He's here. What's he doing? He's staring at Matthew. My mom called me Matthew. If she said, Matthew, I knew I was in trouble. But Matthew, what's he doing? Just staring half in the wall, standing half in the wall, half out of the wall, just looking down and watching. So she said, go turn the light on, because that's how this guy would disappear. Go turn the light on, he's gone. Stopped coming. Now, how would I have to hear that about you? Oh, what does that mean? I don't know if I'd like that or not. All right. So now I'm involved in the occult years later, doing things like contacting the dead, called necromancy or necromancy. I could see auras. I've heard my name being called by a female voice out of darkness. 
seen lights move. And my friend and I would try astral projection. And I could almost do it. I won't tell you specifics, but I could almost do it. Feel things and stuff and swirls and movement. And, and my friend <clears throat> said he could do it. I said, okay. I said, I, I'm having a lot of doubt about this. Though we had been doing stuff, our, the table we would do, and they would, tables would move. We hear voices. I mean, I'm not making this up. And <clears throat> I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, because we're in high school, <clears throat> I'm going to put some stuff on my desk in my room. You project across the street. You come tell me what it is. What? Yeah, it's when you leave your body, your soul or spirit leaves your body and you go places. Astral projection. Now, incidentally, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 2 through 4, Paul says, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, for such a man was caught up to the third heaven. So this is possible, <clears throat> but there's an occult connection too. So, I had never told my friends about this figure of this man. I just never felt comfortable telling them. I was new in the occult, didn't feel comfortable. So the next morning, Dave, not that Dave, another Dave, and I are, are um, <clears throat> going to school, and I said, okay, so what'd you see? He said, well, I, I couldn't come over. I'm like, of course not. Why not? And he said, as I was projecting across the street to my house, there was a man out front. What do you mean a man? He had a black hat on, white long sleeve shirt, sleeves rolled up to his elbows, black pants, black shoes. He wouldn't let me come in. I never told him, and that's what he saw. I can tell you what I was looking at. I still remember it, almost 50 years later. I, it was 50 years later. I can tell you what I was looking at when he told me that. I was so stunned. And I finally told him, I said, look, I've got to tell you something. That got us into the occult even more. We had some other friends, and we would go to their house, it was one guy's house, and we would lay down, and we would wait for the spirits to come. And we would see lights materialize and move. This is fun. It's fun. So we start hearing things. Our dreams started sinking. I can still remember the dream I had looking down at my friend Tim in blackness, and he was looking up at me in blackness the same night. There's a spiritual connection going on now. Then I started liking things of darkness. I wanted more darkness. So I got posters, you know, I'm back in the 70s, got posters with neon lights and black lights, heavy metal. I'm getting involved with this and I'm liking it more and more. Now I've never done drugs. For some reason I just never have, never did. But I was into pornography. My mouth was so foul that my friends even said, stop. Stop cussing that much. I was going into darkness. And Jesus saved me. And that changed. But one night, my friend Dave and I are having another seance. We're by ourselves. <clears throat> and we're sitting in my room. And the lights are out. And we prayed for protection. While we're trying to contact the spirits of darkness, Lord, while I'm disobeying you, would you guard me and help me out? Um, 
stupid is as stupid does. And so he saw it. We're still friends, Dave and I. He saw it, and I saw it. We've talked about it over the years. To our left, a blue ball of light started materializing, and it lit the room up. And I can still see it. And it was about this big, and it started growing and growing like this. And it was just blue and emanating blue light. I can still see the color, a dark blue that wasn't too luminescent, but it had light quality in it. Like it was matted and faded, but the room was being affected by this light. And I remember he was doing this, looking down where it was, and I'm looking down. I could see him looking at exactly the same thing I'm looking at. In fact, in Fatima, in Portugal, when they'd have visions of Mary, it's not Mary, it's demons, they, the reporters said they would watch, they, they couldn't see, but some people would, all their heads and their eyes would track the same way. They're seeing something. Okay? So he's tracking, and I'm tracking the same thing. So I can see, he knows. I watched this blue ball of light take the form of a man that was hunched down on his knees, and he had a cape on, the kind of cape that Sherlock Holmes wore with the little flap in the back down by the shoulder blades, and it was blue, and this broad-shouldered thing, and it just stood up and turned to face us. And as it did, it dissolved into nothing. And in place of it, and I can still see it, and in place of it, a yellow cross materialized and hovered in air. And it was about this tall, about this wide, perfect corners, <clears throat> perfect glowing yellow, and that same blue was just around it. We're watching it. And, he, and it's, it's over where that man had been, dissolved, and we're watching. And I'm watching. And it moved. It didn't accelerate and then slow down. It just moved and stopped. And it was over there, and it moved and just came right across and just stopped right in front of us. <clears throat> and I saw with my own eyes, and Dave did too, a cross materializing in air, hovering in air, and I can still see it to this day. We were opening the doors to the occult, and we were seeking manifestations. There are those who want to see and to feel truth, and they have opened the doors to the occult, and so they don't see stuff like that, but they experience something similar, and they don't know it's not true because they don't believe the Word of God, just like I did not believe the Word of God. In my foolishness, I was praying to the false gods, please protect me while I do these bad things. But I was sincere. I was open. I'm okay. So my friend and I are sitting there, and this thing stood there, right there. Now, I believe that that was a turning point. I believe if we had stayed, which we did not, we got out of there. And it was soon after that that I became a Christian. But I believe if I'd have stayed and sought it out, it was a cross. The demonic forces were using a cross. I believe I would have been given over, gone way down deep into the rabbit hole. Because I was enjoying the contact of the spirits. 
and then <clears throat> get saved. I'll tell you one more story. This is Dave here, Dave Kimball, a friend of mine I've known for years. Known each other since 1980. We used to be roommates, and he and I would do stuff together. The Swap Beat Ministry in Southern California. Chuck Spine. Uh, he's the guy who started me in all this. He read a quote from Joseph Smith, where Joseph Smith boasted he did more than Jesus to keep a church together. Very arrogant. I quoted it a thousand times. And I went, who said this? He goes, Joseph Smith. And got me started studying all this stuff. Okay, but at any rate, we had a lot of experiences. So Dave and I are at the Anaheim Convention Center, which is across the street from Disneyland. We used to live in SoCal. And we're at a Buddhist convention. And it's an oval. And we're up here in the back. And Dave's sitting to my right. And the Buddhists are all saying, no miho ringekyo. They're chanting all this, this demonic crap. They're doing their flags. They're doing stuff. And we're sitting here. And you can talk to Dave about it. And so, <clears throat> so Dave's sitting here. And I'm sitting here. We have our arms in our chairs. I'm saved now. I could, oh, I'll tell you more stories. I got stories. And so <clears throat> we're sitting there. And they're chanting. And I'm starting to get the willies. <laughs> okay. That's you know, it's kind of weird, and my arm started tingling a little bit right about here and here. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting psyched, okay. And I'm sitting there, we're not talking, we're just observing. And man, just sitting there after a little, and it felt like this felt like fingers pulling, pushing down on here and here. That's what it felt like to me. It doesn't make any sense. Now, we hadn't been talking. I said to Dave, do you feel anything? And he said, you mean like hands holding our arms down? And so we left. So I believe that was physical contact. Now, I've been swatted. That means someone calls up the police. My name's Matt Slick. I just shot and killed my wife. And then the police come like this, handcuffed in a car. I've been followed. I've been threatened with death by a Mormon. Not all Mormons are like that. Mormons are good people. But I've been threatened with death. I've, had my, I've been followed in cars. We have knocks on the doors. I've been threatened by... i got a great story about a Satanist. You wouldn't believe the story. I got, I'm serious. A great story. But I don't want to be here too long. It's a story that if I wrote it in a book, you'd go, look, you're making this up. Okay? So, in my house... My daughter, one of my daughters started saying, I'm seeing things in the hallway, Dad. So I had to pray through the house. One person came up and said, I see stuff outside of your house. Pray. Once when I did a section on Wicca, which is a form of witchcraft, on my website, karm.org, you know, if you guys have been there, C-A-R-M.org, been working on it for, in fact, on the 25th of this month, it'll be 20. 28 years old. 28 years old, yes. So, <clears throat> um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. What a story. What? Wicca. Thank you. All right. So I get the books on Wicca, and I pray over them. Lay hands on these books. Lord, would you please protect me from the demonic influence and the authorship of these false writings? That night, I had a nightmare that was so terrifying that it took about a minute or two fully to recover and, and you wake up. <gasps> One of those. Two days later, I'm on the freeway. My right rear tire, my car explodes. Not just goes flat, kaboom, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And made it back. 
Two or three days later, I'm on the Boise River, and I'm a fish. I'm a natural swimmer, love water. And I'm out there, and I get ejected from a raft and land on rocks in the middle of the river, breaking ribs, almost broke my wrist, and had trouble walking for a month. All because I got these books. I mean, one thing happens, and three things in a, inside of a week, something's up. You have to understand, when you get involved in working against cults, against false religious systems, you're gonna come under attack. And if you guys want later, I'll tell you about the, the Satanist stuff. It takes about five minutes to explain. But there's a lot of, of enemies out there who want to destroy the truth of God's word. And we live in a world where truth is a commodity, where truth is compromised, the cults are growing, and within Protestantism, Truth is, is um, being compromised because they don't study the Word of God and they don't know what the Trinity is. They don't know about the eternality of it. They don't know that God is the necessary precondition for all intelligibility. They don't know that Jesus Christ has two distinct natures, God and man. He died on the cross, rose from the dead. They don't know that he's still a man right now in heaven. They don't know that justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. They don't know what sanctification is. They don't know what imputation is, propitiation. Most Christians don't know these things and are the basics of the Christian faith. And if you listen to me on the radio, you know I teach these things repeatedly because I want people to know the truth. Because we had to stand strong against the enemy. And the Bible prophesies in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the Antichrist cannot come until the apostasy comes first. The apostasy has already occurred in the cults and in, more, in, uh, Jehovah, I mean, in um, Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. Those are apostate, they're false religions. They are false. I've been saying it for years, but it's happening inside of Protestantism as well. With a humanistic philosophy of me, I will be the one who determines truth, and I keep my salvation by my goodness. I know what the truth is. I judge truth by my feelings. God will allow me to behave in a certain way because he knows that I'm, gonna, I'm sincere. This is humanist, demonic philosophy that's alive and well in too many churches. And in the compromise of it, they have women pastors and elders, which is unbiblical. And in 80% of all denominations and churches that adopt women pastors within two generations start adopting homosexuality. The apostasy is in the Christian church because, did God really say? Did he really say that? Is the word of God really true? And so if you don't believe the word of God, you're going to listen to a different sheep, a, diff I mean, a different shepherd, a different master. But the true sheep hear the master, Jesus Christ. Amen. We follow him. We don't go after a false prophet. We don't go after a false prophetess. We don't go after a false religion. We go after Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be persecuted more and more as it's coming by the cults. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i, Islam, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, they're going to join forces with the Antichrist. And the true believers are going to be persecuted because they are not in the truth, but they use Christ to, to establish and defend their version of truth. I love to debate them because I'm put together that way. And I love to be able to defend the truth. I'm going to tell you some stuff here really quickly before we end. You guys know what CPR is, right? Cardiopulmonary, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, right? Did you know there's a spiritual CPR? Confess, pray, read. It'll keep you spiritually alive. You confess your sins. You pray to God in fellowship with him. You read the word of God. You believe that word. CPR will keep you okay. Study the doctrine. 
You must study doctrine. Not, it's not we're saved by doctrine, but you've got to know what the Trinity is. If there's only one God in all existence, all place, and all time, He's never been anything else but that. The Trinity is one God in three distinct simultaneous persons called divine simplicity. They exist in a, an interrelationship called perichoresis. And the second person became one of us. He has a divine nature and a human nature. That's called a hypostatic union. That each nature has attributes, and the one person of Christ exercised both those attributes. I am hungry, I'm thirsty, I'll be with you always. That's called the communication of the properties. And that in divine simplicity, the nature of the triune being is still at work in Christ, who says in John 5, 8, 5, 19, he says, I can do nothing except what I see the Father do. Present tense. He is still in that Trinitarian communion, yet he became one of us. And under the law, Galatians 4, 4, made for a little while lower than the angels, Hebrews 2, 9, he bore our sin in his body on the cross, 1 Peter 2, 24, so that we could be justified, declared legally righteous by faith alone in what he did alone. Because all false religious systems do Jesus and baptism, communion, Eucharist, good works, Go to church, you're tithing. It's always Jesus and something. But Jesus says, nope. In fact, Paul says in Romans 4, 5, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Romans 5, 1, having therefore been justified by faith. Romans 3, 28, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law because the works of the law are the things that we do and they are never going to be good enough because our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful, cannot be trusted, Jeremiah 17, 9, and no one does good, Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12. Amen? All right, so we need to resist the ways of the devil by knowing what the truth is. You do need to understand doctrine, not like I do. You need to know enough about what the Trinity is and who Christ is and what salvation is and how that all works. That's what you have to know. You have to be able to articulate it. You don't have to know it like this. You have to know it sufficiently so you say, no, that's not true. God isn't from another planet. No, your organization that's in Brooklyn, New York, you know, and, and that... That your organization is the truth from God? Or the Pope is the one who's the place of God on earth? Man, I should wear my shirt. So much heresy, so little time. You need to resist the evil one. And you can only do that through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Only Jesus, only him, the true Jesus, not the false one that's taught so many places. He bought us with his blood, Acts 20, 28. And we are guaranteed eternal life. 1 John 5, 13, these things are written so you may know you have eternal life. I know I have eternal life. People say, you're arrogant. Well, it's true, but it's not what you think. I know I have eternal life, not because of me, but because of him. I know I have it because of what he did, not because of my ability. So many people think, oh, you claim you have eternal life, you're not going to lose it. Oh, you think you're so good. No, you don't get it. It's not based on me. I know I have it because of him. If I just trust in everything in him, then I'm okay. On the day of judgment, I'm going to be hiding behind the robe of Jesus. I'm with him. That's it. 
But you know what the false religions do? Let me give you an illustration. I don't think I've used it here. Picture the cross on the hill, and there's Christ. The blood from his body is dripping down, mixing in the mud and the dirt. And gravity is slowly pulling it down towards you, or among the filth that is the world. And you approach that cross on your hands and your knees, and your face is to the ground, and you belong in that crap. And the blood is trickling down, the blood that saves, the blood that cleanses, 1 John 1, 7 through 9. And you can only go so far, and you won't even bring your eyes to look up. You're not worthy to look upon that cross. You're not worthy of that blood. You're not worthy of anything except damnation and nothing but his grace keeps him there and looks upon you with favor. And you're there. And you hear the sound of someone coming up, <clears throat> crawling humbly. You hear the muck, the sound. And they pass you up, and they keep going up to the cross. This person gets to that cross, humbly, face down. Reaches into a pocket, pulls out a list of the accomplishments they've done. My baptism, my church membership, my good works, Eucharist, whatever it is. And just puts it on the wood of the cross and humbly backs away. That person says to himself, God will accept me based on what Jesus did and what I have done. They, in their arrogance, think that Christ did not do enough. And they think that through their works, their sincerity and their effort, that they can add to that work of Christ. Not to say we don't do good, but that's not what saves us or keeps us saved. This is the way of the world and the false religious systems. They add to the work of Christ one way or another. And the unbelievers who deny God all the good, they don't even care about the cross. And the judgment of God is upon them all. We're not better than them. Don't think that. We're not. But we're saved by grace and we're kept by grace. Undeserved, unmerited favor from the Lord God through the person of Christ. We need to be grateful and humbly thankful before him. And not say, thank you for not making me like, like I did. But Lord, please use me as a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner, but I am. My heart's not pure. Please forgive me. And please send me. And please let me speak for you. And may your grace through those words affect others for your glory so that we all might be with you in heaven. Because damnation is real and the fires of hell will not be satisfied. And all who believe in their false gods will end up in that terrible place. And Jesus warned people not to go there. And he said in the last days, many false Christs and false prophets will arise and deceive many. And he said that the truth will become unknown. He said that wickedness will increase, the occult will increase. And the people of the scriptures who wrote also said in the end times that the love of God will, I mean, love will grow cold. People will be lovers of themselves and haters of God. They'll believe the doctrines of demons, and they're all around us. We live in a hostile world, and Satan is clever. He wants to make it comfortable so that we don't cry out to him in truth, but we look to our comforts to help us. 
whether it be medicine, TV, entertainment, false preachers, which are all over the place. You've got to be careful, and the way to know the truth is through the Word of God, and you've got to study it. You should study it, and you should study it. Amen? Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word, your truth. We ask, Lord, that you would bless it in the hearts of your people. We live in a dark world that's getting darker. We ask, Lord, that you would shape us and send us for your glory and for uh, the truth that might be presented to others. Would you please bring more people out of the darkness and into your light and save them just as you've saved us, Lord. Forgive them as you've forgiven us. Let us not be arrogant, but let us be humble before you and serve you and speak the truth with boldness. We ask this, Jesus, your precious name. Amen. Matt, before you uh, set the